This episode of Breaking Brave is brought to you by Soul Snacks. Soul Snacks are single ingredient, eco-conscious dog and cat treats sourced directly from farms in Ontario and wrapped in fully compostable packaging. Treating your pets never felt so good. Use coupon code BREAKINGBRAVE for 15% off on soulsnacks.ca. That's soulsnacks.ca. This episode is also brought to you by Crank Coffee, the newest member of the Neal Brothers family. Crank Coffee is a new Canadian whole bean coffee brand that is certified organic and fair trade, founded by the Neal Brothers, Peter and Chris. This brand was influenced by cycling, coffee lovers, and experts. Check it out at the Neal Brothers online shop and use our coupon code BRAVE for 20% off your first Crank Coffee purchase. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to Breaking Brave. I'm your host, Marilyn Barefoot. It's been almost a year now since we've recorded the brilliant and talented editor for film and television, Christine Armstrong. We've been saving this episode because we were hoping it would coincide with the premiere of the second season of Amazon Prime series, Upload, because the fabulous Christine actually edited two of the episodes in the second season. The day has finally come. Upload season two comes out tomorrow, March 11th. The show was created by Greg Daniels. So for any fans of The Office and Greg Daniels out there, check it out. You'll love it. Christine and I chatted all about the craft of editing for film and television and also had an honest conversation about what her journey has been like breaking into a highly specialized and also traditionally male-dominated field as a Black Canadian woman. Please enjoy and don't forget to subscribe to Breaking Brave and review us if you like the show. Thanks for listening. So my guest today on Breaking Brave is the esteemed and talented Christine Armstrong. Christine is a Canadian film editor. First of all, welcome to Breaking Brave and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to ask you millions of questions, but I tend to be better almost picturing um, people's journey like as their life unfolds. Mm -hmm. So I would love to start with, okay, what's a film editor? Just in case. I've learned this, but just in case the world out there listening to Breaking Brave Is it a film editor or is it a picture editor? So this is for our listeners because this part I I know from my research, Christine. (laughs) Well, I think it's a picture editor because, you know, there's so many types of editors. There's editors of words, there's editors of photos. um, And for my position, I usually uh, say picture editor so that it's like clear. It's like the edit of the picture. And basically, you know, um, on a shoot, they shoot a bunch of different footage And um, I'm the gatekeeper of that (laughs) and essentially, you know, tell the story through the footage that I receive. So um, I pretty much guide the eye in a sense. I get to control where the audience sees on screen, which is fun. (laughs) Now, that's one thing I'd learned, Christine, was the director shoots all different kinds of angles and all different kinds of footage. Mm -hmm. In my pedestrian understanding of the world of film... The director shoots and shoots and shoots until they get what they think is perfect. But actually, based on what I what I was researching about you, is that 
they give you a whole color palette, if you will, to work with. Mm -hmm. And then you use the color palette to almost read the director's mind and my and and put it together. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like I always um compare it to a painting because you know, um, you get different shots, like, and you get your colors, your blues, your blacks. And like, I have this blank canvas that I have to paint a picture and tell a story with. And, um, you know, I'm like, okay, I need a little blue. And sometimes, you know, certain colors don't work with each other and I have to start all over again. But um, it's kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that analogy. And when I, I listened to Making the Cut, and I heard you use it like I'm the artist who uses the palette that the director gives me. I thought that's a beautiful visual and it helps, certainly helped me. So it's got to help the listeners to really visualize exactly what you do. Mm-hmm. So Christine, let we take you back to, let's not go f- as far back as I was born in, but were you born in Toronto? Let's, I let's, was. <laughs> least- yes, I was, well, not Toronto. I say Toronto because it's just easier, but um, I really grew up in Mississauga. That's where I grew up. And how'd you get into doing what you're doing? And my yeah. understanding was you were a child model, you were a child actor, you mm-hmm. did some stuff in that area, you were in front of the camera, and then there was a transition. So I'm just looking for that, that little bit of a story. Yeah, like um, I, when I was little, I really wanted to be an actress. Um, I loved acting. I like I got into this like there was like this theater group that um, my parents joined me in, and I was just I was shy. Like I was a really shy kid, and I went to this theater school, and it just or like this theater program, and it just made me thrive. And I found my element, and I was like, I want to be an actress, and so I begged my mom to be like, please, I want to go to Coffer Park, which was a high school in Mississauga that was like of dramatic arts. And you you can major in drama, art, and all that kind of stuff. And so when I went into the school and I was like, I'm going to be an actress and this is the time I'm going to craft my art. And the more I went through my years, my my colleagues or my peers were like all like went to or like were auditioning for Degrassi. In, of that time, mm-hmm. um, in the the year of Aubrey Graham, aka Drake, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I saw um, them go through like their audition process processes and like the ups and downs, and and I don't know, it was a really nice, clear picture of like what it would be like to be an actress. And I yeah. thought, I love this, but I don't love it that much. And like, I would, I would like not like my career career to be controlled by right. somebody else, right? And so right. I was like, you know what? I want to be the person who hires the actress. And I was like, okay, uh-huh. what is that? And it's just like, I kind of had to do my own because like, I feel like no one talks about a lot about film school and arts in high school, which even funny enough, I went to an art school and it was just very touched upon. But like, there's so many different roles. And like, my, me and my friends were always like shooting skits and I was the person who was editing them all. And I didn't even know like that it wasn't even a profession, which is so funny. It was just like, I thought, oh, okay, I'm just like putting this together. And that's how I kind of discovered it. And um, it's only when I went to my uh, college, Sheridan College. Um, they uh, such a great program. Um, they don't have it anymore, but it was the media arts program. And in your first year, you learn every aspect of film, which is great. Like, and they tell you everything, sound, script, you, have, you take a course and all of it. And I was just like, I had an editing course and I was like, Oh, I've been doing this. <laughs> right. And I just, I wanted to be a DOP. 
Um, that was director like, of photography. Look director. how much I've learned. Oh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And cause I was, I loved photography and I loved the manipulation of footage and like, and like, being able to like change, I can be able to change things and it to look different. And so I was like, oh, maybe photography, camera person, and that's my path. And then I realized I'm like, when I took my editing courses, I was like, oh, wow, I really like this. And like my teachers were always like, you're really good at this. Like you really should continue this. And so I kind of did both. And it's like, it's the similar, very, it, it's interesting because it has all the aspects of what I love. I love acting. And so I'm able to judge and like get the best performance, you know, and like I know what that is because I've been studying it and all in high school. And then I also get to manipulate the image or the footage as well. Like if there's VFX, if there's like stuff like that. And it just such a great profession because it just satisfies all my different things that I love doing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Because now it makes complete sense (laughs) as you transition from, I want to be an actor to, no, I don't want somebody to control my life by saying yay or nay to my audition. Did I get it? Did I not get it? So I understand that after you left Sheridan, and maybe there was something in between that I, I don't know about, you went and worked for Bell Media in the creative side. Yes, exactly. This was another job I didn't even know, like, Existed, existed until yeah. where you can cut commercials for TV shows. And right. I was like, this is in my element. And um, when I, I had my internship at Much Music, and so that's kind of how I kind of got in. And I nice. used to, I cut a lot of uh, promos or like for Much Music. I don't know if you remember those like IDs where it was just like to the music video mixed in with the logo of Much Music. Like, yeah. so, so they, I did like almost like 10 of them and you're like, wow, you did a lot for like, and they made it on air. And it was just like, I was really excited about that. Like to have like my first like edit on air and everything. And it was really exciting. Yeah. And it's such a cool brand. Yeah. I'm looking for much music <laughs> as like a first job. That's got to feel really, really good. And, and I understand it's coming back. Indeed it is. It yeah. is. They may Full be calling circle. you again, Christine. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I learned so much um, working there because um, it was just like, you know, watching, again, I would watch lots of TV shows and be like, how can I promote this? And so it's like a different, the other, like the other side of what I'm doing now, um, which is interesting. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I learned so much about that and um, editing and editing with music um, and timing with yeah. the, in that job. And so I'm very thankful for that, the, my years of working there. And so Christine, just, we have this great analytical tool for our for our podcast that shows where people are listening to us. And I was so thrilled to find out that there are people all around the world listening to us. So just oh. in case the words much music don't mean anything in Ireland, and apparently there's a following in Ireland, which I'm excited about, can you just explain for the listeners what is much music? In your own words, what the would, hell is that? I would say it's the Canadian version of MTV, which is like, it was a TV sh- channel and it would... Right be devoted to music and Canadian music, um, have music videos playing all the time, have different music content, like documentary and like all that kind of stuff. And was the vibe in that building, Christine, just so fun and cool? Like, I'm assuming it was a Queen Street location you were at. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I was at the Queen's. Yeah, it was. And it's funny, I like entered into in its like meaty version of it when it was just like the Much Music Video Awards were happening every year. Like it was just like such a fun time. I was like seeing celebrities all the time. And it was just such a, it was a fun time. Like doing the Much Music Video Awards um, was so much fun, like working on it. And yeah, it was a really fun, it was a really fun time. And we're all like young um, professionals and, you know, just you know, having fun. It was a, living your best life. Living their best life. It was a great. It was. I look fondly on my twenties about my time I worked there because it was just like I had made some really great friends. Nice and learned so much. And how long did you spend there? I guess let's start with. Yes, I interned, and then you continued along, which is a, such a big statement unto itself because they must have loved you yeah. and loved your work. Because internship mm-hmm. is one step, but actually getting offered a job after that is a big step. I mean, I think they they look at all the talent and they say, this is the girl that we want. Mm-hmm. So like, how long were you there and what created the opportunity for you to leave? Yeah. So I interned and then um, I actually didn't get a job right away. Um, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I just no, assumed. it's okay. Yeah, no, it's okay. I like, um, I started working in commercials and then but I was still always working with them, um, yeah. freelance. Okay. So they would they would always like ask me um, to just come in and be like, "Hey, we need this promo cut edited. Everyone's busy. Can you do it?" And I, um, I was doing that for a long time. Where it's a point where I was like, "Okay, guys, um, I'm literally <laughs> like working here pretty much. Can I just have a full time job here?" And it Good. took maybe a couple of years because um, it like no one ever like everyone so loves the job so much. It's such a fun job and, and not a lot of turnaround. Um, yeah, waiting for 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 the spot or opportunity to open up. Yep, got exactly. it. So um, it felt like I was working there anyway, but I finally, maybe four years after, I um, finally got um, a full-time job there. And I actually worked at MTV Canada as a oh, division. Wow. Yeah. So that was really fun. Um, and then um, I think I was there for a while and I, you know, I, my original goal and was always was to work in film and television and do long format things. And they had like a long format uh, department too. Um, And I actually um, was talking to like one of like a really good mentor of mine, Michelle. And I asked her like, how can I make that jump? Because it's such a catch 22, especially with like joining the union. Mm. You have to work on something to be in the union and like vice versa. And um, she advised me about the Canadian Film Center. And I was like, oh, she's like, that's been a really great way to transition to, you know, being an editor in film and lots of success there with four editors. And so I started investigating and um, I applied to um, go to the CFC and I asked for leave of absence from my job. And so they, and they granted it. And so I, and I got in. And so that was really like a really big catalyst or a big, like, you know, change because I was like, okay, I really want to explore this because this is what I wanted to do. I I was feeling, I loved much music and I loved everything I was doing, but like, I knew like film and like working in film and television was my passion and I knew I had to do something about it. Um, so, so. Getting into CFC then, Christine, is 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 that 
first of all, let me ask, we'll back up with this question. Mm. What did you have to do to get in? Was it you had to apply? It was an addition? It was a portfolio? What did, what did you have to do to get accepted there? You apply by uh, application. Mm-hmm. And once you are selected, you also have to show like your work and your demo reel. And once you're selected, um, you do an edit test, actually. Um, they bring you in and... They give you some footage and they're like, cut the scene. Um, so that was, and you have like two hours or something. Like it was, I was going to say, it and was a time limit. Yeah. yeah, it was like a time And you're limit. sitting in their space and working with stuff you've never seen before, I assume? Yeah, yeah. So they have like wow. footage from a, and then there's an interview process as well um, with it. So this is a huge deal. Like when they say yes to you, Christine, you are standing on top of a mountain feeling pretty terrific, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really it was really great to have gotten in because I knew like a lot of people were like, oh, like you have to apply again. Don't worry if you don't get it your first time. And then it was just like my time. Like I just felt like it was just my time to, you know, really hone in. And it was such a great program. And it was like five months, five and a half months. And you just literally just focused on editing and your craft. And it really was like, I was like, I just want to do this. And it was really a hard crossroads because, you know, I had to go back to um, much music, which I also loved. And I really mm-hmm. loved working. So I, I kind of felt very torn because like, and then it all ended up that they had this massive layoffs at much music. And I ended up being a part of it in my last month of my course of at CFC. And so I was like, oh, <laughs> So then it was like, the universe was like, all right, Christine, no, you I'm are. I'm just going to lay this out for you right You're now. Like, I'm going to make it easy for you. You don't have to decide. I make, I'm deciding it for you. <laughs> you are doing this because this is When the universe love. delivers exactly the path that you were worried about. And so yeah. just backtracking on your acceptance to CFC, how like how many people apply versus how many people get accepted? Just Just so the world understands. This is a big mountain to be standing on. Um, I think it's like about like a thousands do. I actually don't know the actual number, but I'm think I know they have a lot of applications that come, and it's all over Canada. So it's not okay. Just so in like Ontario. a thousand people apply, and about how many get in? The five. Five. Well, in the editor program, four. Sorry, but yeah. Wow. Okay, I knew it was a big thing, but now it's an even bigger than bigger than big thing. Wow, Christine, congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And so, okay, the universe has now delivered that Much Music, MTV Canada, no longer needs you. And you're leaving CFC, so now then what happens? And you've got the passion, you've got the talent, you've got the accreditation. Yeah. um, So, yeah, it was kind of mind-boggling because I was like, okay, I'm not going back to work. Now what? And... um, I was very fortunate because um, one of the like alumni from the program referred me to um, a producer um, and asked if I wanted to hop on and edit uh, their feature. And so I had an interview with them and then they said yes. And I was just like, oh, wow. So I like right out of the gate got my first feature, but it was a very uh, special project because it's it was already um, cut by another editor, and they just want fresh eyes. And I didn't even look at the what what was cut. 
I just was like, okay, let me just bring it in for myself. Start with a clean canvas. Yeah. Not somebody else's painting, going back to that analogy, exactly. which I'll try not to beat to death here. <laughs> but the clean canvas with the clean the canvas. And it's like very good because you don't want to be, uh, you're so, I feel like we're very easy influenced by mm-hmm. things. So I like, and it's funny, I watched the editor cut after I put my first pass and I was like, oh my God, it's like completely different. And it's wow. so interesting how, again, it's the same thing. You get the same tools, you get the same pal- like paint, you get the same colors, but it could be a different painting completely. Big, big difference in the outcome. What was the feature? Can we, can I ask? Oh yeah, the definites. The called. definites. And, and what is, was, is the definites about? It's on my list here. Yeah, so like in the beginning um, of the film, a woman leaves her fiancé and she's about to buy a house with him and she's like, this is not the life I want and decides to go to Miami um, to um, participate in the Art Basel Festival down there Mm -hmm. Um, and with her estranged sister. And it's just like about this whole journey that she goes on and, you know, she just like ups and leaves her old life and has a new life and it's like... She's partying and um, discovering and finding herself. Um, so it was a beautiful piece. And it was uh, really nice because they shot in Miami. They shot it in Toronto. And there was like a lot of improv. And like, I just was, it was the probably most challenging piece of uh, all of my work, which I got on my first. <laughs> Is that um, right? Yeah. Of everything you've done, it was the most challenging. And so tell me why, Christine, why this one? Why do you believe now as looking back? Because you did this in 2017, right? The definites? Mm-hmm. Yes. Why was that one the most ta- challenging? Well, so basically how it was shot was very interesting because it was pretty much like when they shot the footage, there was no real script script. Like it was just like an outline. Mm-hmm. And so every take was improv it was almost as that though it was like a choose your own adventure and mm, i was like I see that's a great way to put it yeah and i was like okay like on this take they say this but on this take they say that so i had to like really and i didn't even think of it um, then how much editing is writing and i'm visually writing i didn't even know but the writer uh she wrote a script after they shot and I didn't even know that it was improv. So I was like, why is it every take different? <laughs> like, so I almost, <laughs> I almost like always referred to her script and it was like almost as if like she almost wrote it herself as well, like a paper edit with that script. And I just kind of like, and till this day, I, I'm very much um, respectful of the scripts because, you know, they go, writing goes through so many processes you know, and I'm very like, when there's something in the script, it's for a reason. It's not just, it's not written just because it's like, it's a big uh, story plot um, that you have to pay attention to. So I learned my relationship with the script, with this film. Um, But yeah, that was the challenge. It's just, it was improv. And it was like, shot on location and like shot outside and like all these things, different cameras and like trying to like put together different takes so I can get the, the story is like the a very big puzzle <laughs> and but I was like I can put it without together. the box 
exactly. it's like a puzzle without the box. Like it's yeah. like, okay, are we just going to try and figure out what this puzzle is, or do we turn the box up on its side and look at the photograph that's on the <laughs> yeah. front exactly. and try and follow it? So there was your first your first job after much music Canada and MTV went away, and 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 so now are you essentially? setting yourself up in a kind of a freelance situation exactly. where your name is getting out and people are calling you to say, hey, would you come and work for us? Yeah, like I literally just said yes to everything that year. Excellent. I was like every project that came my way. And it was really great because all of those projects went into festivals. And that's how it just built because like the definites, the, you know, um, I did a short called Three Way Not Calling with Molly McGlynn. Um, and it was just like all those like little things I did that year and um, just continue to like, you know, get more content and have more things on my demo reel was my goal. So that was a really busy year, <laughs> but fun because I just said yes to everything. <laughs> but it's the way to get out there and you meet mm -hmm. people and you discover things about yourself and they understand how lovely it is to work with you and how talented you are. And I guess it's a small world in any industry that you're in, but you are in an industry that is so specialized that, that I would think you rose up to being asked for fairly quickly. Am I right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just word got out. <laughs> well, Molly McGlynn... <laughs> This mm -hmm. was a comedy in 2016, mm -hmm. three-way not calling. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen the whole thing, but I've watched a whole bunch of trailers. And that led me to understand and do some more research on you, Christine, about you like comedies the best. Am I right about that? I, I do. I do. I love it. And the reason why I love comedy is I think it's just all, it's really all about the editing because you know, everyone can do their work. The DOP, the actor could be funny. Everything could look, be shot well. But if the editor doesn't have the comedic timing, it doesn't work. Because it's just like, it's that one beat longer that can make it not funny. And I don't know, something about that in my gut, I feel it all the time. Where I'm like, nope, has to cut here. Like, I don't know why, but this is funny. <laughs> and it's, it's really fun. We share that, Christine, because... My dad loved comedians, like the stand-up comedians that, you know, um, he was born in 1930, so this is a long time ago. But when you study comedians, which I began to do because I watched a lot of comedy with my father, it's the delivery, the timing, the rhythm of it. And it's, it's such an incredible art form because, as you say, you get the timing, delivery, rhythm wrong, the thing isn't funny anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, had the potential to be, but it falls. It doesn't, it doesn't land the way it's supposed to. Exactly. Yeah. And it was just like, I didn't even know I had it in me. I'm, I'm, I'm a funny person, but like I, there's something that I didn't even know I loved until I started my, just my whole, all of my things I started working on just veered towards comedy. And I think, especially like Molly McGlynn, she's so hilarious and such a great writer and, um, so funny and her and I we met at the CFC so um that's how I connected with her and we had the same similar humor so um I just really love comedy editing and yeah I also learned something about comedy editing um I think I learned it which is you can make something funny by 
it's almost you doing improv yourself as the editor, like you're taking the cuts or you're creating the cuts and you're putting them together. And then all of a sudden, like individually, they're, they're not really that hysterical. But when you put them together, the way you edit it, it's like, oh, wow, this is really quite hysterical now. Yeah, it's true. And um, a lot of often, um, which is really fun on the projects I work on now, I'm working with writers who are the showrunner and they will watch, you know, we'll go through the takes and they're literally also improving on the spot, being like, okay, well, if he says this line and then followed by this line, then he says this line, that'll be funny. And it's like, can you put that together for me, Christine? And it, and that's my favorite thing to do is like when a writer's like writing on the fly and then I can make it happen. And then they're like, they start laughing. They're like, that's perfect. Um, and that's, and so you're in that seat as being an accomplice, a, a, yeah. a co-writer, a co-director, a co-creator with, with the development of the painting. I understand that when editing was film before digital happened in this big world, that most of the film editors were females. And that was largely because, or I think this is your interpretation, or maybe it's a widely, um, widely embraced interpretation, that the editors of film were females because they had the better gut instinct, the better sensitivity, the better know when to cut and know when not to, to make it come together. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, like, I, it's so interesting because they, you know, they used to give it to the women because they thought of it as like a sewing job, right? It's like, I didn't, like, I never thought of that. That's amazing. Okay. And then it's, so it's like, oh, okay, they'll put it together because like, that's stitching or something, which is interesting. But again, you're right. It was just, unfor- like, there was no undo button. I guess you could just tape it back together and it would have been a lot of work. But yeah, like, it was based on your gut. And, like, I always think about that as well because um, that's all I have is my gut on this whole... And you have to trust it. A hundred percent. And, yeah, when you're dealing with film, then you literally are taping somehow, putting it back together versus the digital tools that we have now. Yeah. But, um, Christine, I hear, I understand that you're working in a fairly male-dominated type of industry, but it is even more male in the post-production area, which is interesting Mm -hmm. because we were just talking, it started out as female because of this gut instinct piece, and then it switched to male. And so now you're having to break down some barriers. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's like, it's only, I feel just now lately with like, you know, Me Too movement and like female empowerment that they are trying to have more female representation in the post world and which is great um but yeah i even when i worked at mtv i was very i was one of the f- only four females there like or you know like it was very I, so i was kind of grew up in that environment of always being like it was just like sec- like it's second nature to me like that um more male versus female environment for me how is that for you? Do you feel like you have to try harder, be better? How is it for you? I came out of the advertising agency business. So all senior people in the ad business were men, creative yeah. directors especially. So it's maybe a parallelish kind of thing. But did you have to overachieve in order to even really be noticed? Is that Was that a thing? Or just maybe talk to us about fighting your way through that process. I felt like 
I definitely had to be an overachiever. Mm -hmm. I always had to, I couldn't make any mistakes. Um, and I had to be really good at my craft. And, you know, I really liked that because, you know, it pushed me harder. Um, but it was hard because it's just like almost as if when I enter an environment, um, expected to n not know as much as my peers. And it's just like, and I think it's just a subconscious with people. It's just like, oh, like, do you know? Like, because I'm very technical. I'm a very technical person. My my father was a a computer engineer, so I know a lot about like computers and like all that kind of stuff. And um, it's hard when someone looks at you and it's like, oh, you don't know that, just because they just assume. And it and so I, I always felt like I was always having to overcompensate and over be like, no, I know how to do that and like overcompensate those kind of things. And I felt like, you know, I had to always prove myself all the time. Yeah. Which was hard. And yeah. like, and it's hard because it, it happens every time I work with new people and I have mm. to always show them who I am and show them my ability. When with others, it's already assumed that they know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's was the hard part. And does that still happen for you, Christine? I mean, you're a huge name and and a find and a treasure for people to get a hold of. Um, but but is it still happening for you in terms of if you walk, if you if you're called on to, to do some work with some people that you've not worked with before, your demo reel by now has to be the most robust thing in the world. But mm. does it still happen to you when you start to work with new people? Yeah, definitely. Um, it definitely does. And I think it's just, it's hard because it, a lot about editing is trust mm. and gaining tr trust uh, from the person you're working with and trusting. Because like when they don't trust you, it's so much harder to, you know, work together because they want to come go with everything through a fine tooth comb. Micromanage you. Yeah. And um, if they do, they think, oh, well, she may not know what she's doing, then they micromanage. But I have skills to <laughs> win over trust, <laughs> but um, that I've learned over the years because it's hard. Because like, and to um, not take it personal is very hard too. Is a is a learning curve. But um, yeah, like it still happens, and maybe not as macro, but maybe micro, like just little things. Uh, still, where people assume that I don't know something. I think the hardest part would be um, how do you not take it personally? Uh, but I tend to wear my heart on my sleeve too much and I work on that all the time, but it must hurt. And yeah. and do you get angry? I mean, I guess where I'm going with this question, Christine, is can you tell us a story of something where, a, a story of a situation where that happened and how it made you feel? And then we're going to move to the trust piece. So was there a situation you remember that stands out in your mind where it's like, here I am and I'm the picture editor and yet it was met with kind of a, okay, well, we're going to assume you know nothing. Um, okay. So I would say um, there was an incident where, you know, I was cutting a piece and the thing when you have your editors cut, you're alone and you are just trying to figure out what is in the mindset of the director, what their vision is. And so I presented a piece to a director 
And they were, I don't know, it was just like I felt every uh, cut, everything I was doing, every shot I picked was, they're like, they're like, let me see a different take, let me see a different take. And it was very hard because it's just like, I felt like they didn't trust me at all. And I knew it and I felt it. And I was like, how can I gain this person's trust? Like, <laughs> and, and, um, literally went, we spent so many hours and hours just like going through. And it, it happens a lot where I would have my editor's cut or my scene and we start going a different direction of it. And then slowly we creep back to what I did. And it was just fine. It happens a lot. But, um, in a sense, in that situation, it's hard when, you know, you do something and then you're told to do something. And then the person's like, why'd you do that? And I'm like, at that time, I was very early in my career. So I I didn't feel like I could be like, well, because you told me to. <laughs> right. And, it, yeah. was, and it, yeah. it was just almost just like it was a very hard session. Because, and, and that's where I learned about a lot about you know, the trust and how to gain that trust because it felt very, like, very tense in the room because of that. And it was just like, you know, they were just trying to figure it out too. So, so Christine, thank you. And so you've learned these techniques that you refer to about trust. So what do you do? How, how do you build the trust with somebody who doesn't know you, doesn't understand your, your gift, your talent, your creativity? Are there some things you can share with me, us, that help you build a trusting relationship with somebody that you're working with? <laughs> well, like for feature films, I sometimes kind of have us talk with the director and talk to them about now with having experience, knowing the kind of stages you kind of go through. And I'm like, you know, there's going to be a point where you're going to hate this and that's going to be okay. <laughs> and that because you've watched it five million times and you just have to remember Always remember the feeling you had, and I say this to them, the feeling you had when you first watched it and what that was. And that's how I I do it too, because when I'm watching footage, I kind of make markers and stuff like that and places where I laughed. And and then it's like when later on, they're like, is this funny? Like, I don't even know <laughs> if it's funny anymore because I've watched it 20 million times. And then I remember those moments and I'm like, no, it's I picked it for a reason. So Trust your past self. So stuff like that, I try and like transfer over to the person who I'm working with. And it's really just a, honestly, I show them instead of telling them anything. As an editor, my job, it not everyone knows how to do it. And so they're going through the motions of what I've, you know, been going through when I was working on it on my own. Yes. And so basically just having understanding and communication I think is the the key way of trusting. And then when they do it, it's like, great. And then it's like, okay, I trust that you know what you're doing. And they know, and I, and I get it because it's like, it's a process. <laughs> well, good for you. And that's working. And I, I imagine as we talked about earlier, the more people you work with and the bigger and better your reputation becomes in the world, that you won't hope, I mean, trust is always going to have to be established, but still you won't have to prove yourself quite as much, maybe. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you, Christine, about Joy McMillan. Oh, yes. I have a, a note on here to say, please ask Christine, me, writing, um, Joy McMillan 
I learned was the first black female editor nominated for an Oscar. When when did it happen? Because I don't have a year beside this. I should, but when did it happen? And did did she win? And I I don't know actually that that story. And maybe you could. Yeah, she me. she was uh, nominated for Moonlight. Okay. Um, in 2016, um, and no, she did not win. But yeah, she it was a. Big moment for me because it was the first Black female editor nominated for an Oscar. Um, And I actually met her and she's lovely and she's really, really great person. And yeah, it's really, really great. And how did you meet her? I met her, funny enough, um, in L.A. I went for, I was on, I went for a brunch with another director and I sat right beside her and I just went up to her. And was like, hi, like I'm Christine, and here's and she's like, oh my god, and she asked for my number, and we like just connected, and she's just been really great, uh, not a mentor, but like you know, person who just kind of brought me in and talked to, like, meet, let me meet a lot of different editors in LA and, and stuff. And she is she based in LA? Yeah. And so you have over the years of your career split your time, obviously pre-COVID, between LA and Toronto. Mm-hmm. Is there a vision to leave Toronto and transition 100% to L.A.? Because there's more work there. There's more interesting stuff there. There's bigger stuff. I mean, talk to me about you've got one foot in Canada in Toronto and one foot in the U.S. in L.A. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like I think during this COVID and everything actually lockdown, you know, I, I had been before teetering between Toronto and L.A. and Yes, my goal is to be uh, more full time in LA, um, and because like uh, just the work is just so much coming out there. There's mm. so much content, mm-hmm. and that's um, unfortunately it's what's hard about Canadian content is that there's only a certain amount, and then there's only a certain amount of editors who work on those shows. So yes. it's like the pie is bigger. In LA, and I just want to be able to be a part of that. And I love Toronto, and it's hard. It's my home, um, my family and friends are here, but the work is down there. The opportunities, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Christine, have you done some work with Netflix? I have. And do you love it? I do. Yeah. Like my, um, I worked on hashtag Black AF um, with Kenya Barris, and that was a Netflix show. When you work on a show, you don't work directly in the Netflix building, but you are working with like the EPs or the um, of the show who give notes and stuff. And I had a really great experience working with Netflix, and they were very like I just I don't know they were very welcoming. They gave me a coffee mug. <laughs> it was just like um they get, like when I was working there, they did a a party for all the editors working on their show so they can connect everybody. And I thought that was really nice, and that's what it is. It's like. It's hard as an editor. I love being an editor, um, but it is a solo job, you know, and, but I'm such an extrovert and I love talking to people and I love mingling. So it's just like, it was a nice chance to mingle with other editors as well. I, I was going to ask you about loneliness because it feels like it's you in the footage. Mm-hmm. Is it lonely in that situation where, or do you just throw yourself into this work and this palette so intensely that doesn't feel lonely anymore? I'm I'm not sure because it's it's you and a deadline and a director writer kind of alone. 
Yeah, it is lonely, but it's like, I feel like I can not, I can only do the job alone. And it's more me and the footage. So I don't feel quite alone because I at least have the characters who are with me. Yeah, kind of like friends, right? Exactly. And, And like, it's so funny how much, you know, I get why people get connect to people on television because it's just like, you know, you feel like they're there with you. Um, and um, so I kind of, it is alone, but like, I'm not lonely. Can we talk about what challenges, other than what we've talked about professionally, but personally, professionally, what challenges have you faced where you felt like, I'm really feeling strong, i courageous, I was brave, I conquered it? I think leaving much music probably and mm. like just kind of sticking to my gut of like, you know what? Like, I know I love this job and I love what I'm doing, but I know in my heart and hearts of what I really want to do and I better do it now or forever hold my peace. Yeah. And it's interesting because like, imagine if I didn't go to the CFC and I didn't venture that, the same events would have happened. I would have gotten let go and then I would have been like, oh no, at square one. And I think um, being brave, I think, to, you know, go with what I want. And even so, again, with um, when I got the job for Black AF and being like, okay, I dropped everything and I just moved to LA and just like, was like, I have to, this is what I want to do. I finally have my chance to do it. And I had, I realized, I was like, I have to go and do it no matter what. And it was hard because like, you know, I had a relationship and I had like friends and family here and I had like a, you know, I had a a really nice nest and Mm -hmm. um, leaving the nest and pursuing my dream. And I think it's like the best thing I've ever done looking back. And it was scary because I was just like, ah, (laughs) what am I doing? Like just going for it. And um, I think now when something's a little bit fearful, I lean into it more now because it means it's good for me. (laughs) I applaud you for that. There's so many people who can't get out of their own way, so to speak. We've talked with other guests about bravery. And it's, it never feels like it at the time, right? It, it, It feels like, I have to do this. It feels like a lot of things, but it doesn't feel like bravery. Mm -hmm. How did it feel for you getting on that plane and moving to LA? So how did you embrace the fear or run towards the fear or get on a plane towards the fear or, you know, you're getting on a plane, you're going to LA, you're ripping up all your roots and relationships and friends and family and going to a huge city where you don't maybe know a soul or at least the people you know you could count on one hand. Mm-hmm. I, I would just like to understand how that how that felt for you. It was exhilarating, actually. I was very excited. Oh, cool. um, when I got on the plane, I was just like, really excited about what I was landing into. And it's just like, I this is what I've always wanted to do. And not that I didn't think I could do it, but like, it just felt like it was on the top of the mountain. And I didn't think I would get to this point so early. And so it was really exciting. Um, I was really excited, to, even scared, but excited in, in my fear. I was very excited. Um, and I was like, this is it. Like, you gotta, this is your chance to prove yourself and to see if this is what you want to do. And it is, it's, uh, it's been a really great ride getting on that plane. (laughs) 
Yeah. I could feel it like when you're telling the story. Just <laughs> my hands are getting clammy and I can feel it. This is your shot, mm-hmm. as they would talk about in Hamilton. This yeah. is your shot. You gotta you gotta take your shot. And as frightening as it is, what would it have been if if you didn't? And it's 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 unfortunate when we can see people in the world who get in their own way or are stopped by their fear. Mm-hmm. So congratulations for taking your shot on that. Thank you. <laughs> and Christine, what's what's next for you? I mean, are you can we ask what you're working on right now? And where's the next big mountain that you hope to climb? Um, so yeah, right now um I'm working on a show called Upload and it's it's in its second season. So that's been really fun. Um and I think my next like thing I want to do is I want to do a major like a big net like major picture movie like maybe like Marvel or like mm. a huge action film like something like that like I think that's my next goal um just to be like I've done it <laughs> and to know that big studio like the big studio film because that's the max level I feel like I want to hit but I love comedy and I love TV right now like I'm really enjoying working in TV so I just want to work with all the greats of comedy yeah I feel that there's a, there's there's such an incredible road for you with with comedy because it's so it I mean you're you're living your passion but the comedy piece of it is such an important piece for you mm-hmm yeah. Can I fly back to LA with you for a second here just um to talk about how did that project find you to bring you to LA? Um how did they find me? Literally um the year before I just been going to LA a lot. Um just visiting because a like um one of my movies the new romantic that I edited um mm-hmm. got into LA Film Fest. And I wanted to go back for that. And then I started going back and then I started making friends. And I was like, oh, and then I made these friends that I would always go back and visit. And so I would every time I would go back, Netflix would come up a lot. Like I would start meeting people from Netflix. And I was like, oh, that's funny. And then they were telling me, oh, you got to work with Ken Barris. And they were t- like, it was so, so weird because it was the fact that I, how I kind of ended up working on with him mm-hmm. um, while I was visiting, it was just like, I was getting little signals about like, oh, Netflix and Kenya Barris, you got to meet him and like, you got to work with him. And um, eventually that did happen. And um, I, because I met with a woman who was, um, who knew him and she, he was starting this new show with Netflix and was looking for editors. And so I went back for uh, a meeting with him. And it's so funny because like we all do meetings with Zoom, but I I now flew back to LA just to have like you know a reason a to get back to LA. Yeah, like, exactly. Okay. Any reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, I took any excuse to go back to LA because I really loved it. I loved it, and I just felt like it was a city full of people like me. You know, like yeah. um. So yeah, that going back, um, I had a meeting with him, and then that's how I got the job. So the universe is your friend, Christine, because it feels like it's direct. Well, you're very in tune with it because in order to listen to your gut, you have to be in tune with it. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And are you mentoring some people now, Christine? Because it seems to me like you're in such a great place to to help younger people coming through. Are you doing a little bit of that? 
I I truly try and mentor my assistant editors a lot um, who I hire because I think that's just like, you know, and just give them tips and talk about the process because like what's really great now is that they're there. They're in the room now because it's all Zoom so anyone can enter. So they're a Voyager, um, which normally that wouldn't as much happen. So yeah, my assistants, I try and mentor. I praise I, I I don't know what I would do without my assistants they're um really a big crucial part of the process and it's a hard job because it's again unfortunately like as an editor you're invisible um and yeah. that's your job is to be invisible and so yeah. um it is a thankless job and I always overthink my assistants every time they do something because it's just like such a crucial part and I bet they love working with you I can just feel it I bet they love it so if we've covered all the bases Christine here's here's my here's my opportunity to say how can we support you how can I how can our listeners out there in the big world support you in the work that you're doing how can we support you I would love for everybody to check out Rutherford Falls um it is such a, I worked on it this uh, this past month or last year. And honestly, it was a very special project for me because it was a comedy, but also educational. And I learned so much about so many things on that show. And it's such a, a fun piece. And um, I really loved working with the people on it. And so I want everyone to just support it. And so I can work with them again. <laughs> okay, fantastic. <laughs> And if they would like to, and I'm sure they will after listening to this, connect with you at all on on social media, what, what are the best ways for people to do that, to find you? Uh, I'm, uh, you can connect with me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is underscore charmy, C-H-A-R-M-Y. Fantastic. This has been such a fun, educational, lovely journey to take with you, Christine. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your stories and thank you for all of the insights you've given us and thank you for doing what you're doing because I'm so excited for you. So thank you so much for being here and taking the time out of your crazy busy schedule to talk to me and to talk to us. I I loved it. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Breaking Brave. For updates between episodes, please visit my website, MarilynBarefoot.com. You can also find me at Marilyn Barefoot. That's it for today. See you next time. <laughs>